Welcome this is George G and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Jamie Hopkins. Jamie, are you ready to do this? I'm as ready as I can be, George. Good to see you. Excellent. Excited to have you back on. Jamie is an attorney. He's an LLM, a CFP, a CHFC, a CLU, an RICP. He's the managing partner of Wealth Solutions at Carson Group. He's the co-author of Find Your Freedom, Financial Planning for a Life on Purpose. Jamie, excited to have you back on the show. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to put pen to paper and write the book. Yeah, it's good to be back on. I know we're saying it's it's maybe been close to four years since I've been on. So a lot's happened in that time, inc- including a book, but some other fun things too. <laughs> yeah. So refresh our memory about the personal life and uh, give us the motivation for the book. Yeah. So personal life, uh, I know you're you're up there right now, but I, I live outside Philadelphia and I've got three kids. I had two probably last time I was on here because I have a three year old and uh, down here in Maryland right now with my family and uh, my mom and dad live down here outside Baltimore. And that's where I grew up. So come back here for, for the holiday season. And uh, yeah, I've been back into running again. I, I don't know, depending on when we talked last time, I might have been falling out of it or still in it, but uh, kind of back in running and uh, probably setting some running goals again for this next year, I think, is uh, on the docket. Uh, yeah, those are most of the personal stuff. You know, I'm trying to try to take it a little easy for like the next five days to come out into next year refreshed. I feel like I've got a lot, lot slated for next year uh, looking forward. So I'm trying to just recover a little bit for a, a pretty fun and exciting opportunity year in front of me. I love it. So setting running goals, that sounds like a actual liter- literal thing that's going to happen, but then also figurative because you are a busy guy. So when you talk about setting running goals, what does that mean? Yeah, so that that that's the literal one. I, I do a lot of goal setting. So I do about four pages of goals every year. So I do uh, like work goals, which is just like, how do I improve the company that I'm with? So I did it at American College. I, did it, I do it at Carson every year. And that's like my impact at the company level. Um, I do six goals then for me personally at work. So like, what are things that professionally I want to accomplish? And then I do uh, like personal non-work goals. So just things to better myself. And then I do family goals and family goals are things like make sure that, you know, I, I take each of the kids on like a day trip just me and them, or we go on a vacation, something like that. Uh, so I have savings goals in there too. That's where I put the family ones, like 529 plans, things like that. And so I try to set six across those four, what I call domains. Um, and uh, because I, I do think that while life's one big thing, I think that it's easy to get kind of sucked into one and, and lose focus of another. And that's what happened to me. One year I set goals and I realized that they were like all personal business development goals and nothing was personal, nothing was family, nothing was for the better, the greater good of the place that I worked for. So I, I kind of readjusted after that. But I probably want to run two marathons this next year. Uh, and that might be it then for marathon running. I, I might be down to two left in my body and <laughs> call it. Well, fair enough. I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing. I think it's uh you know, it took me until I was 35 years old to actually write down my goals. I talked about them forever. And I think we all intellectually know that we're supposed to have goals and how important that is. But to actually do it, um, I'm now going on 10 years of, of, of doing that. So it's always interesting to learn somebody's process and, and how they think about it. 
In terms of the book, um, was the book just inside of you trying to come out? Did somebody say, let's, let's, let's write a book? How did that come to be? Yeah, so to some degree, this is either my second or seventh or eighth book. I guess you could break it down in any of those categories. <laughs> but I wrote Rewirement before, which was a retirement income planning book. And then I did a second edition of that. And then this one. Uh, when I got to Carson, Judd Mackerel, who is our CMO at the time, and Aaron Shaben, our president, wanted me to write a financial planning book around like the way Carson does planning. Well, the reality is like I didn't know the way that Carson did planning when I showed up the first day, right? Like I had a general idea. I mean, I don't know it's like a fiduciary RIA. So there's some basics of what you probably do, but that's developed a lot. I mean, that's been a big part of my role and Aaron Wood's role since I've been there is developing more of a what we call the proven process or the planning promise at Carson. And so I think it took us three years to like really figure out what a more repeatable planning process is going to be. It, you know, we started with a lot of the CFP planning process and kind of developed a version of our own. So that's kind of where it started. And then I outlined the book in 2020. And then I think in 2021 started writing a lot of it. And I got about halfway done and this hurts writers. And I scrapped about half of a book. I mean, I didn't keep anything from it. I, I wrote half of a book and just realized like it was really boring, um, like really <laughs> boring. I mean, it, it, I've written three textbooks, right? I, I have a, a insurance law textbook, a retirement plans textbook and an estate planning textbook. And so it was kind of reading like a textbook. Like I was writing a fine, you know, maybe I could use use that for a financial planning course, but like it was pretty boring. And so we kind of scrapped it and I probably took four months or so, then re-outlined it. And at that point, just a lot had changed. You know, I'd learned more and more from Ron and part of his message and my message started to come together. And I think that's happened at Carson over the last four years too. But we actually started with the individual and like none of the planning stuff. And that was the really the big change, which is it's about life. It's about happiness, how you spend your time, goal setting, as we just talked about, like, how do you set effective goals and how do you stick to them? And, you know, what are the things that make you happy? Are there better ways to spend your time? And it's all about defining what freedom means to you. And that's the entire first half of the book. Really, you could have just broken this into two books. I mean, it's like 320 pages. So there you could say book one is Define freedom. Book two is a financial planning book. And we put those two together. And part of the message was if you can't define who you are and who you want to be, like all the financial planning mumbo jumbo that comes behind it is a waste of time, right? Like, I mean, you can come up with a super efficient plan and still have a miserable person. <laughs> and I don't know that we achieved anything. So it's, you know, really starts with that end in mind, which is some level of freedom and happiness. And then we can get to the planning promise and how to get there. Oh, I love it. It's so funny that you're you're going through this outline in 2020. You spend all this time on it. You're like, ugh, I've 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 created a very very uh very sterile you know manual on how to put a financial plan together. <laughs> Nobody's gonna want to read this. Yeah, you know, I had spreadsheets in there. It was pretty good, you know. <laughs> 
add this up. You know, I started doing stuff like that and calculation examples and it was just wrong. Like all of it was wrong. Now we've, you know, we, we've probably rebuilt some of that stuff into our advisor training materials that we have internally. Um, but that we actually ended up separating those as two projects. So we finished the consumer book first and then we went back and redid the advisor training, uh, afterwards. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was bad. So, you know, it's okay to admit that sometimes, right. You're just on the wrong path. And I think it is a good lesson because like, I struggled with like, do I really just walk away? Like I put all this work in, like I can just finish it up. Right. Like it'll be okay. And, uh, it, it was the right choice to, to scrap that. <laughs> Got it. So how much, how much, roughly speaking, like how much time did it take you from when you decided to scrap the first iteration of it to where we are today? Yeah, well, I know, I don't remember when I decided to scrap it exactly, but it probably would have been in the summer. And then I didn't write anything for like three months then. And I sat back down right after Thanksgiving. It was the week after Thanksgiving. I remember all this because I got COVID at the Philly Marathon, got pretty sick for about 10 days. And, uh, you know, during my COVID lockdown period inside of my house, I started writing this version of the book. So I was sitting there, you know, Weiss dropping off food at the door. And I was like, ah, it's probably time to start writing again. You know, like can't go anywhere. I'm tired of Netflix and uh, out of shows to watch. So probably should start writing. <laughs> and I finished up that draft of that 320 ish pages around. So what I did December and January. And I think that first week of February, we got like the first edited manuscript to Harriman House, the publisher. Uh, so yeah, like it took about you know, I guess that's about two and a half months. Uh, and I'm a pretty fast writer once I start writing. It's more so that process of what I tell people is I do a lot of the writing in my head, like ahead of time, right? So by the time I start putting like my fingers to a keyboard, I might have written most of it. It's just up here in my head. So it's getting it down and then, you know, editing it and, and improving upon it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my process. I used to do almost all my writing when I ran. I would go run and I'd write almost the whole article, like opening sentences all the way through structure and then just go put it down. I'm not as good at that anymore. I, I think I've got too many things on my mind. So I <laughs> not as great at putting everything down, but I still try to set the structure, the messages I want to convey, the story, and then I'll go write it and put it down. So that's kind of part of my process from writing. And what I've learned, you know, and it doesn't work for everybody. What I've learned, though, is, you know, figure out the big picture story and messages that you're trying to convey and then just, you know, get it down. And I think it's a often it's more important to get it down onto something. So people are like, hey, how'd you write? all that in like a couple hours, uh, like Secure Act 2.0 passed. And I just stayed up to 2 a.m. and I read through the whole retirement side of it, the 200 something pages. And, you know, I just I wrote like 28 pages and, you know, then we can go back and work on it and massage it and reformat it and draw it back up. But then it's there. Like there's something to work from. And to me, that I've always found that is an easier process. It's not everybody's, um, but I've always found that is a workable one for me. If I tried to get things perfect, I'd never get it down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that is true and certainly fair. So helping people to live life on purpose define what freedom means, talk about goal setting, and that that's the first half of the book. That makes a lot of sense because that's not easy to do. 
And as you are working through it and trying to figure out, okay, how do I how do I articulate this? How do I help people create that vision and organize it like you've done in your head and then teach somebody else to do it? How long did it take what well, was that hard to do? Was was that hard to 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 put into a book? It is because it's also, you know, it's probably perfectly imperfect like everything else in life uh you know i don't i don't believe that if in five years i'll look back and say the first half of that book's the perfect way to lay it out and the perfect way to design it and explain it to people i think that with most things there there's hopefully parts of it that resonate with you and that you can use uh you know i think that ron has taught me a lot i learn a lot from other people but you know, I think I told you I was going to tell a story here that I haven't told uh, yet either around the book, which is I put a lot of my personal stories into it. And I don't view this as like my memoir yet and like, you know, all my personal stuff in there. But I did use more personal stories than I have before and some that I haven't put down uh, the kind of pen to paper yet. And the interesting thing is I did kind of tell people I was going to do this, but I didn't really run it by people. And uh, it's it's probably a good lesson to learn is, you know, I, I know this to be true, that people don't like all those things shared. And, you know, like my family's like kind of not super happy about sharing some of the stuff in there. And it's not like, you know, family dirty laundry, but it's just, you know, by I think I, you know, you tell stories to tell a specific purpose and they're like, well, why didn't you tell this story too? And it's like, well, I wasn't telling that story. So it wasn't in there. And it's just been an interesting dynamic of like talking to people who also live through those experiences. And then like my sister's a year and a half apart from me. And it's interesting how different we remember or view certain things too. Like, or I just like how experiences shaped us differently, right? Like, I, I talk about this whole de- idea of gifting in the book a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of gifts and I have my version of it. But then, like, you can also see how that's passed generationally down in a very positive way, too. And so, like, the same experience creates two very different outcomes for people where one goes through the experience and has a great experience with it and loves it. Another one goes through the same experience and forks off to the right and has a negative experience with it. And it's kind of this, like, beautiful aspect of, you know, to your point, like, the book's not going to be perfect for everybody because some people are going to read and say, well, that doesn't resonate with me. And others are going to read and say, hey, that that that's me. Right. Like I have that grief every year when I buy presents and I feel like I overspend and I wish I didn't do it again next year. And I do it again. And other people say, you know, Christmas is my favorite time. I don't care how much money I spend because I'm giving presents to my kids and family members. And they're the same experiences, which is you know, feeling them very differently. So my family's, you know, read the book too. And some of them really like it. And some of them have had that one, like, Oh, why'd you talk about that? Because, you know, that's super positive for mom and grandma and my aunts. And like, and I'm like, "Eh, but it wasn't for me. Like my truth on it's a little bit different. And so it's been an interesting conversation, especially because like it kind of came out like a month before Christmas. And that's really the aspect that they, they, they've taken issue with me upon is the, the whole gifting They're They're calling me Scrooge and kind of making fun me because i'm like well i don't really like gifts and they're like well it's christmas scrooge and i'm like yeah i get it <laughs> yeah it's, it's fascinating that I, don't them. I just just different yeah so it's, it, it has been really fascinating and uh so 
I, I think that that's most things people experience things differently and also to give people the like grace and, you know, that it takes to go through something and understand that they're experiencing emotions and feelings around something that you also experience might be vastly different. And I think that's a great lesson in general in life, uh, not just this, but it's a really good one to kind of hold through probably throughout every experience you have. I think that that's really well said. And certainly money and everything around money is so personal to each of us and evidence that your own family experienced your had different perceptions of 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 common and and and, and shared experiences. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing that. So when somebody picks up the book, when somebody gets their copy of Find Your Freedom, Financial Planning for a Life on Purpose, what are you hoping that 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 they take away? What are you hoping that they get out of it? Yeah, so I've had two things that I want people to get out of it. So the first one is that, you know, you actually take the time to define what freedom means to you. And it's such a great question. Just like ask somebody, you know, somebody you don't even know, just, you know, what does freedom mean to you? And like everybody answers it a little bit differently. And it's such a beautiful thing. So I think that's the first part. It's like, just spend some time and think about that. What does it really mean to you? And so there's a lot of exercises to kind of get you there in the first half of the book. But I think if you take that away from the book, you've defined that and you have some notion of what that means from you and it becomes part of your truth and the life you're living by design, that's a fantastic outcome. The second part of the book, even though it is a pretty concise planning process, kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs style, building up your basis to, to develop financial freedom, which allows us to most likely be free elsewhere in life, is that everybody is worthy of financial freedom and financial planning. And that's really the second part. Ultimately, the details of planning come down to your situation. It comes down to the facts and circumstances and what you want to achieve for your own freedom. If you want to live in a van and travel around the country as a single person and stay in, you know, parks, like that takes a very different financial plan than somebody who wants to create generational wealth and build companies and nonprofits. So those plans are not going to be the same, right? But the process of planning based on what freedom means to you does become true and everybody is worthy of that. And so those those are the two things, right? Spend time about what fin uh, what freedom means to you and that you're worthy of being financially free and worthy of financial planning. I love it. How much is the book? What, what the paperback? Shh, no, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Oh, man, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right there. Pretty sure it's 1999. And, uh, but it, it's on Audible and Kindle and like ebook. Barnes and Noble Target. I went into a bookstore and bought it too. I, I did yeah. do a video of me buying it, but as I felt pretty lame, so I never posted it. But I do have <laughs> one. <laughs> you gotta post it, man. Well, that, that, I, just, really I felt so awkward. I felt awkward doing it at the store. So you know, I had to go in and find it <sighs> first, and then go back outside yeah. and film myself going in. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I I know that I'm supposed to do those things on social media. I just couldn't physically. That's really. <laughs> I cannot. This is a bridge too far. No, I was but like for for twenty bucks or whatever, just think about that as an opportunity that get to go through and actually define for yourself what freedom means, and then to have the 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 process, the steps, the framework 
for realizing that in your life. Um, that's that's immensely valuable. So I think that that's super exciting. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you for writing the book. Um, twice for for scrapping the first version and in a service <laughs> of 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 creating what what it is that you've created so um thanks george tell yeah, us I think uh, the, as i say i think the second one's better we hit wall street journal bestseller and i'm gonna do something interesting with the book at some point too uh just worthy of mentioning so i'm gonna actually pick a hundred random addresses and just send the book to it like people I don't know. And it's just like, hey, I hope that you're on your path to freedom. And like, that's the basically the message I'm going to write in there. And I think it's really interesting. And I almost kind of I thought about that, not when I developed the book, but almost if it becomes like this gift thing where people give it to somebody and say, like, you know, a message about what freedom means to them and then pass it on, I think it's going to be I'd love for something like that would be cooler than people reading a book is that it became this message about defining freedom out there for you. Yeah, I think that's an amazing idea. I love it. Well, Jamie, again, thank you so much for coming back on. Where can people get their copy of Find Your Freedom, Financial Planning for a Life on Purpose, and where can people learn more about you in general? Thanks, George. Uh, so you can grab the book on Amazon. Uh, it's on you know every channel on there. You can get it at Barnes & Noble, Target, pretty much anywhere that you want to buy a book. And then uh, me, easiest way, uh, my website is jamiehopkins.com, carsongroup.com is the firm's website. And then I'm, I'm mostly active on Twitter at Retirement Risks is my handle on there. And I, I still use Twitter and respond, LinkedIn too, but less responsive on there. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jamie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up your copy of Find Your Freedom, Financial Planning for a Life on Purpose, wherever you buy your books. Go to jamiehopkins.com, J-A-M-I-E-H-O-P-K-I-N-S.com. Check out carsongroup.com and find Jamie on Twitter at Retirement Risk. Is it risk or risks? with an S because there are more than one risks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There are more than one. I love it. Well, thanks again, Jamie. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.